everybody, I'm Roxy. And I'm Priska. And we are the Two Horny Girls! We're just two horny goats climbing the mountain of life, eating Asian American stereotypes for breakfast. Oh my goodness. Happy ah. November, what? y'all. What up? Happy November. We did it. We're in it. All the spooky season is officially over. And 2022 is, oh wait, is just around the corner. Just oh around my God. the river. How is that even fucking? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, there's like what, like six weeks left in this year? Before I, the- <laughs> that's impossible. No, 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 no. We're still in fucking March. I don't believe that for a second. You take that back. <laughs> so Priska, last week we were talking about Midnight Mass. What did you think? Did you watch it? I did. I took you up on the on the recommendation and I watched it yesterday. I binged the whole thing in one sitting. So Shut I think up. I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think Yes, I, 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 I love the cinematography. I love the set. I love, you know, kind of these like waves crashing onto this little tiny island. And the world building was so good with uh-huh. that, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and from a religious standpoint, it is it was crazy because so many of the people in this church are people that I... I've met these people before. You know what I mean? Like I know these people mm-hmm. like the, the main, um, the main, I don't know what, like she's not a nun. She's just like a churchgoer, but the main like godly person is, um, her name's Bev, I think. Yes. And she is proper terrifying. We like hate, she scared we hate me Bev. the most. <laughs> we we hate you Bev. Know Bev. She's, you know, like a real life Bev. She's like the Karen oh my God. of like the church community. Yes. <laughs> yes. And they're kind of these, these like self-righteous figures that really cozy up to whoever the leadership is. Uh-huh. And they, you know, they make them rely on them. They build trust with that. And then they shit on everyone else. And uh-huh. they are super self-righteous. And they, you know, they're very hypocritical, but they know so much about the Bible. It's it's all these things. So they they captured her so perfectly. I, I, I think it's a great watch. Um, obviously, yeah, we went through it in one sitting. It 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 does have a few too many long monologues. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. <laughs> but especially this idea, and I don't want to spoil anything because it's so artfully done. But like, yeah, this it, it kind of has these like Calvinism undertones, um, even though it's Catholicism, it definitely has this like, well, as long as the people I care about are saved, it doesn't fucking matter what happens to you. Oh, yes, exactly. I see that's a really running theme throughout many different enclaves in our society right now. Definitely. And they did. I think they did a really great job of showing just like Catholicism versus um, being Muslim. Yes. Really heartbreaking. I know. But yeah, I, I, I loved some of the monologues about, you know, him being Muslim and, and wanting to become a cop because he wanted to almost overcorrect this major thing. And um, at the end of the day, like his his the people above him couldn't trust him yeah because they thought he was like an insider he thought he was a terrorist and and that was heartbreaking and i hadn't seen things from that perspective i just love these human studies you know yeah sheriff hassan right and then like yeah and then also we can't deny the hot priest which is obviously oh, the hot <laughs> priest a running thing oh yeah because in um, fleabag there's a hot priest as well exactly i was like oh I my think gosh. That, that is really becoming like a niche for like a lot, a, us, a, a lot of us a lot of our fans and actually totally. really recently I, I i don't know if this person's gonna listen to this podcast but i met someone who's a porn director at like a dinner Ooh. party and Ooh. i got super super interested because i'm just like you know things are a bit slow for me right now and i'm mostly in the development <laughs> phase and yeah. um he told me that you know he's gay and he's taiwanese but right now the company is just 
developing heterosexual um, porn okay. to build up, you know, the audience. And then they could go into more what I want to see, which is like inclusion. Most of all, you know, because the day rate was like really astounding. Right. And I was very curious about wanting to you know like sincerely wanting to shadow and like maybe directing erotica and like yeah. my manager's like no, yeah. no no like don't do it don't do it you know <laughs> but I think it's it's just like so I forgot where I was going with this actually like I had I had like a, a reason hot for priest. talking about this <laughs> oh hot priest yes I get okay wait I remembered okay okay so so it's like these fantasy elements right hot yeah. priest is definitely hot priest totally <laughs> it's a niche market like the religion Religiosity, like Ooh. there's even like Mormon girls. That's like oh, gosh. a platform, like on on like these porn sites, like you know the fantasy oh of like these Mormonism Mormon girls. Yeah, and they have like the secret underwear and everything. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Like yeah. the long johns under <laughs> under everything. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I get it. It's so forbidden. And and definitely watching, you know, this show in particular made me recognize like when. You know, the only love prospects that that you had were the people sitting in your church pews. You know what I mean? So but that's I get like it. what makes it more exciting because it it's does. like you go to school, you go to church a lot or you go to school, you know, all the time. And then you fantasize about, you know, seeing this person like literally the next day, you know, oh my gosh. Um, yes. which goes yeah. into like what we want to talk about, because like we're going to be talking about friendships in this episode. Right. Yes. And like yes. the excitement of being able to hang out with your friends and like the developing friendships and like the the changing narrative of friendships as well in our lives. And so Prisca, right. you're the one who thought of the topic for this episode. I know that we did one on toxic friendships in the past, but yep. now you want to focus on adult friendships in this topic. So what sort of stirred this up for you? Um, I, I think that, you know, I was kind of friend challenged from a really young age and I dealt with a lot of loneliness and I didn't know how to make friends. And mm -hmm. even through high school and, you know, even, um, yeah, just from, adolescence onward, I had a really difficult time making friends. And by the time I did make friends, I didn't know how to create healthy friendships. It was either me like love bombing people like crazy, or mm. it was just kind of, um, you know, not knowing how to step in and be there for people, but feeling almost like frozen in that. And right. I, I just feel like it's a good topic to talk about. And yeah. I think, you know, you and I, you know, have talked about this a lot, but as we get older, a lot of our friends now are, you know, I'm married and a lot of people are having kids and all of a sudden that creates like their own kind of nuclear family network and, and it closes them off from certain types of it doesn't close them off from friendships but your friendships have to change and morph over time mm -hmm, you know what I mean mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so I think that comes with its own kind of grief you know yeah. like I know you've been through that before absolutely just feeling like just kind of feeling overwhelmed that so many people are having kids and it's like happy for them but it changes the nature of your friendship right yeah it took a really big paradigm shift in order to accept what's happening because um yeah. you know a jaw works in mental health and recently I had like a roach infestation in my house and oh, you know I'm working through it and it's slowly going away but like it made me so traumatized to even like move yeah in my kitchen because I'm afraid of seeing something and then he just said he just gave me the best advice and he was just like the first step is acceptance like you just mm -hmm. have to accept that this is the way things are because like grief continues to live as a bubble inside of ourselves mm -hmm. and it depends on how much we feed it right 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 yeah so the grief will either expand 
or it'll stay the same size or it'll, mm. you know, get small. It'll always be present, but it just depends on your nature of acceptance and how much you feed that grief. But I'm so excited to yeah. dive into this with you. Like, we're so excited. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm like, oh, sometimes I talk about these topics, but like there's so much more to it. Absolutely. And, and you know, I kind of want to start it off with like, how do you define friendships? And let's take it all the way back to the playground. <laughs> let's take it back to the childhood. Yeah. Um, you have skinned knees. Both of your knees are skinned. Uh, your fingernails are perpetually dirty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everything about you is a little sticky. Your, your hair is kind of poking out in different places. But Roxy, who was your very first friend? When I hear you say that you were really lonely as a kid, um, I felt very lonely as a kid because I, uh, you know, am an only child and I moved around a lot when I was, you know, in my formative right. years. And I'm always so jealous of people with siblings. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, I was also afraid of having them or like didn't mm. want them. I didn't want my parents to love them more than they love me. You know, there's like a really right. weird, you know, almost feeling like I have to save all the attention and all the love for myself. Oh. Um, and so when I was in the Netherlands, I really, this is such a crazy story. <laughs> I remember there's a girl named Nao and, uh-huh. a, and a guy named Fumisato. And Ooh. this is when we were like six years old. And these are my two best friends in like El, pre, preschool, like American yeah. school. Like we were all learning how to speak English. And now Fumisato, you know, they, you know, the, the Japanese family is so nice on my mom. They're Asian. So like they would come play all the time. We'll go play with Aww. them, go to the playground all the time. And it's funny because it's now and Fumi, right? And then one of my yeah. really, really good friends <laughs> in college is now Fumi. <laughs> That's such a trip. So now if you're listening, you know, a huge <laughs> shout out to you. I know that we're supposed to hang out soon and I promise I'll get back to you. Uh, but, you guys but, have been destined, you know, to be friends forever. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, you know, leaving the Netherlands is really hard because I'm like all Oof. alone again. And then I, I know I talked about Moment because he was he's the fucking strangest guy. Yeah. <laughs> he would just we never talked. He would just oh. follow me on the playground and pick his nose. And like, at least I had physical companionship. Yeah. And then like. Like in grade school, I was really close to two girls named Jessica and Amanda and then Anita okay. and and Sheffy. And um, Anita and Sheffy are Indian and then like Jessica and Amanda are white. And then there was Janice. So obviously I had yeah. my friends were constantly shifting. And I don't know if that is the reason that I am who I am today or like how I really quickly adapted to making friends really quickly. Because right. um, it was almost like a survivalist kind of instinct that you did or I think so like wherever you go just kind of have to find someone I have yeah and then did you remember what that environment was like Priscilla like in elementary school in grade school you you needed to have someone to hang out with you at recess oh yeah you know oh it's terrifying not and and so I'm hearing you know with now Fumi and then you know later Moma Momen Momen yeah Momen you know it's so different I, I like that th- these are taking us through the years of development but like for now and Fumisato, what made you decide that you guys were friends? Like, what was the thing that I that cemented that? Really? <laughs> like we're, we're just like, and then my mom was always like, "Oh, and you know, they're Japanese, uh-huh. you know, and like yeah. you feel like a kinship. As yeah. a kin- and then like, you eat Japanese food. You know, my mom would make like you know sushi at home, and I'm like, I yeah. know sushi, so I know Japanese people. And you know, you're just so young, you just didn't really understand why you just anybody that would play with you you would play with and if they're mean to you you don't want to play with them it was so simple back in the day yeah you know it really was right yeah it really was and the things got more complicated like I remember in grade school 
Anita and Shafi were, we constantly battled over the attention we would give one another. Interesting. Same yeah. with Jessica and Amanda. And then <laughs> Janice, I got to, I got to talk about Janice because Janice okay. was in, you know how you have like best friend crushes where like, yeah. it's not romantic, but it's like, you just want this person to love you back just as much as you oh, love yeah. them. Yeah. It's like love. It's like so intense. It's like you put them on a fucking pedestal. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And anytime you go on a trip, you're looking for something to buy them. You, you want to sit blah, next blah. to like, them you know, at the school bus. You at know, everything. Everything. You just yeah. always want to be by this person. So this person is Janice. And Janice, let me tell about Janice. Janice <laughs> is perfect. Like, and when I tell Ooh. you that she's perfect, it's that like she is fucking brilliant, like gate all the way, always eight, like 4.0. Um, she is an amazing violinist, like probably the best that I knew. Her Mandarin was really good. She excelled at everything. Wow. She went to Princeton. She got her master's. At, she got her fucking PhD at this point. And then, and then it was always so academic for her. I think one time we actually, I had like a huge <laughs> falling out with her oh, because no. I was like, how come I don't mean anything to you? Like it was so oh, dramatic. No. <laughs> we were like 12 years old. We were like 12. And I was like, like, oh my I, God. like you're no longer my friend, you know, or whatever. <gasps> and oh then, my God. And then her stoic, like really reserved, like very calm, very grounded, always has her shit together. She called me crying and she's like, I don't want to lose you. You know, like you mean the most to <gasps> oh me. And then when I moved to California, we would write each other like long letters and her handwriting. So oh perfect. Gosh. Like she's just so Ugh, perfect. Handwriting. Yes. The indication of a good friend for sure. I know. And it's like she would write like fucking 20 pages of like poetry. And I'm like, hi, Janice. Like exclamation mark, stickers, 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 stickers. Here's a boy that I like, you know, like stupid and, and like all this stuff. And she'll be talking about Paganini or she'll be talking about, you know, um, wow. Princeton and like, you know, what her environment, her math environment was like, her engineering Jeez. stuff. Like it's so weird, but what because I loved all of these people so deeply. Wow. Um, I always thought it would break me if they were no longer in my life. You know, I don't yeah. know. Like, what about you? Because I know that, you know, I have all these people because I relocated so much. But was right. there somebody who meant so much to you in your developmental years? Um. So I think like like you're saying, you know, I think being an only child, like I did have built in two little brats following me around all the time. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that was its own thing. Um, but we kind of we really like my sisters and I, we kind of tormented each other mm. until we got older. Mm -hmm. And so that that wasn't necessarily friendship at the time. Right. Um, and then I, I think most of my friends, like my closest friends growing up were less so in school and more so from church. Mm. So I did have a friend named Rhoda Jen and um, we called each other best friends and I don't know what constituted that but she lived in like Culver City and so she would come to church like once every once in a while to to the church we were at in San Gabriel so I'd see her maybe like two or three times a year but I, I think there was just something about feeling not judged and feeling like someone not giving you grief or not being bitchy to you that all of a sudden like leaves such a window open you know and I think we had the same kind of creativity um fueling us and mm. now she's like an artist and a maker and she I think she went to school for like jewelry making so wow. you know we both had this kind of like very creative minds and um we would sit there and just just imagine scenarios and you know just kind of play them out for hours and hours and that was kind of like my main friend growing oh, up oh wow yeah wait 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 so was the okay so that sounded so amazing like 
you were like, I can't really remember when we both agreed that we would be in this together. So like, because I felt like I was always chasing someone to accept me. So like Rhoda and you sort of had a mutual synchronicity. Just found each other. And I, yeah, that's so beautiful. How old are you? I think we met in diapers. So that was part (gasps) of the appeal, you know, but we only saw each other three times a year. Um, But every time we did, like, it was like we would stick together like glue, you know, and we never had any fights or had any issues. And I think we were we, we considered each other best friends until like maybe like early middle school, like maybe sixth grade, just because, you know, I think their family went off to another church or, you know, things kind of split off. But before then every church retreat, like we'd have summer retreats, winter retreats, we would be like bound together at the hip. So it was kind of great in these like church scenarios to have like somebody that I was looking forward to seeing and that I knew like would save a seat for me or something like that, you know? Yeah. 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 Someone (laughs) that would make sure that they have space for you, that they would make space for you. Yeah. And I think that confidence has a that has a role to play in it too, especially when you're young, because when I was in the church, I was very confident because, you know, I'm like the pastor's kid. Right, like, right, right, everybody right. must kiss the ring. You know, everyone must. I used to fuck with like Sunday school teachers. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I would fuck with them so much. And like, they were like, I think low key a little bit afraid of me because, but not really, but you know, I, I think I, I maybe felt I had more power than I did. But anyhow, like I could get the the Sunday school teachers to change the curriculum like that just because I would sit there and be like, no, you taught that last week. And they're like, no, no, we did. I'm like, you taught that last week. I was here. We and then I would like lay out the points of the the curriculum because I knew it. You were uh, so and they would be scary. Like, I was so scary. I was terrible at church. But I think that's why I was able to make friends. Because I had confidence. Oh, you know what I mean? I had a you're lot like of that popular myself. girl, too. Do you feel like it was the nepotism that sort of set you up for that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, I am the Prom- king's now daughter. Now that you're saying it. I am the king's daughter. Therefore, Are you all saying- of you. <laughs> now I have to reread all of my friendships through this paradigm. I'm no, like, no, wait, no, was no. anyone actually friends with me? Or was it they're just because of you? The, like, the king's daughter. No one denies the king's daughter. And she's the <laughs> eldest as well. She is exactly in that she accent. They all the they ring i know this, the ladies in waiting I know. wait so how so so when did you and rhoda like are you still in touch like do you still have that same consistency what happened you know we're not really in touch so much like we follow each other on instagram we talk every once in a while but i always i think like anytime we see each other or come across each other you know in passing we do have like a certain amount of mutual friends which is interesting because she ended up going to the same high school that my later best friend went to went to um temple city high school and um but she's just i'm just admire her from afar and i think we totally would be friends if we were in closer proximity to each other Mm, you know and mm, so mm. i i I could I totally see us like being friends. How about you? Like, do you keep up with Jessica, Amanda, Janice, anybody? Oh my God. It's so fucking. <laughs> so, so Anita, Sheffy and Amanda all follow me on Instagram. And um, okay. Jessica was my best friend in elementary school. She was an equestrian. She rides horses. She was like the coolest kid. Wow. And like, um, a I, horse girl. I also gotta love a horse. Gotta girl. love a horse girl. You know, like <laughs> just she would just like go to the stables all the time. Like it's very New Jersey. You know what I mean? Yes. And yes. like we grew up in a very suburban, you know, area. Lots of farmland. You know, near Princeton. And then now she lives in SF. She works in tech. And 
um, she hit me up and she was like, hey, yeah. like I, I, I'm actually in L.A. Like, do you want to. Oh, no, 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 that wasn't it. I was in SF for like a, a film festival and she yeah. was like, let's go get dim sum. And we caught up and it was like it's been so long and yeah, she like, is so beautiful and like ugh. she's still it's still her but it's like vastly different like you wow. know she was like telling me about like her journey as a woman her her sexual awakening and like her discoveries and wow. her confidence and like her boyfriend now what they're doing and like it's just I know you know how you and I talk about all the time about the beauty of growing with someone yeah yeah and seeing them grow in their journey but like still being a part of their life and it's almost like you see her but you missed all of that yeah did that make you a little sad it did like did you wish you had been there it, it did it did make me kind of sad because i'm like you were at one point everything to me right you know and Ugh, then right and then like you know we had such a good time and you know we still keep in touch and it's so bizarre because like when i was younger my mom would tell me you know you're just gonna lose these friends like you know, you're going to grow up and you're going to lose touch with them. Your mom is so sad. She really is. She really is. She's so fucking savage. But, you know, now we, we didn't know that social media would become a thing where literally anyone yeah. could stalk you. You could just search for someone's name and then they'll pop up right in front of you. Yeah. And like I mean, and getting crazy. back in touch is so easy. It's kind of so intense, too. And yeah. I don't think it's like I don't think it's the way humans are actually actually designed for. You know, I think we're designed to have a certain amount of nostalgia and, and mystery. I mean, like for most of history, that's how we experience the world. Yeah, it's too much power. It's too much power. It's too much memory jogging. It's too much what ifing, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's also interesting too. And, you know, I think you and I, we both have moms that don't necessarily have that many close friends. And so I think, you know, well, I don't know. Your mom seems to have more friends, but my mom like does not have any close friends. I, my mom does not. Oh, I don't want to speak for her. Yeah. I know we're trying, <laughs> we're trying to get our parents, our, our moms on the yeah. show. We got to say good things. We got to say good things. Yeah. Because, because no, what, definitely. Oh, wait, okay. No, okay. No, our moms have so many friends. <laughs> like uh, growing up my mom she was like I have one best friend and she lives in Texas and I I never remember even meeting her and that was my mom's one best friend um who wow. unfortunately passed away so I think my mom just has you know a bit of a hard time if I ask her like who's your best friend like she's like well your dad and I'm like well other than dad and she's like well Jesus and I'm like god <laughs> damn it like, like two questions in and I'm just like that's all you get you know that's so wild to me because like yes both your mom and my mom have very similar experiences in that way but you and I yeah. have gone yeah. through a major social whoring period in our 20s yes separately like we went on a fucking tornado of social whoring yeah I <laughs> I love this yes we definitely <laughs> did I think people that would meet us today there they would never have guessed that I would have ever had trouble making friends you know yeah um and and I totally cop to that and I and I you know I am somebody who like I had a gymnastics coach that when I you know I was like really like I was on um the kind of like pre-team and I had so much fun and I was really talkative and I made friends like really easily and everyone's kind of like a little younger than me because I was a little late in gymnastics mm -hmm. and once I moved up to team I was suddenly like so quiet and so shy and all the other coaches were like what the fuck is wrong with this girl and one of my old coaches was like don't worry just give her a couple of weeks and sh her personality will come out mm -hmm. so that's kind of like how I've been most of my life and I I'm sure most people are like that but it even as like gregarious as I can be like it takes me a while to warm up like if I'm unsure of myself or a little bit like it, like my shyness comes up from time to time and it used to be crippling and debilitating and I think now it's something I've really worked on and 
like thought about and practiced, you know, pushing myself out there, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so now it's like not debilitating. Even if I have moments of it, I can push through, I can act normal. But when I was in high school and junior high, I couldn't, I was debilitatingly awkward, very shy, afraid of everything, wanted to please everybody, wanted to be cool, which once you try to be cool, everyone knows you're not cool. Um, and I think coming from, uh, going to like a very small Christian school where I had um, just like maybe like four, like one bully and then four or five girls that were kind of, um, you know, she would she would, you know, bring in her wake um, like just those five people made it so like those five, six years were like torturous for me, like absolute hell. Um, and it really shook my confidence and it made me, it made people afraid to be friends with me. And even if they liked me outside of, um, outside of the classroom, they, they wouldn't really be allowed to kind of be seen with me. So I think that trauma was carried over. What I'm hearing is that you and I have been on the end of what would it what it would be like to be bullied and not liked or villainized or whatever. You know, I wasn't the popular kid in middle school. I wasn't the popular kid in high school. You know, when I went to Diamond Bar, a lot of people, you know, they were just like, oh, she's like that weird kid from the East Coast, you know? And (laughs) and I never knew what it was like because then I saw like the people who were loved and like were, you know, everybody knew who they were. They seemed really cool and grounded and like sure of themselves. And then in college... You know, I said, I'm going to be someone different. I'm going to be that person that everyone loves. And then I could be friends with anyone, anyone. And then I took it like to the umpteenth, like, you know, degree. Like I would make time for everybody. Anybody that wants to hang out, I'll grab lunch with them. I'll grab Boba with them. I'll, I'll do whatever I'll do. And, you know, I would just not sleep. I'll go to study hall with them. I'll do everything. There was nothing you wouldn't do. Exactly. And I think. I think you did that as well, because like we we were yeah. on the other ends of feeling like we were so isolated and lonely and, you know, outcast that like when we were presented the opportunity to have a new environment, to thrive in a new environment, we wanted to change things around quite quickly. But that's so true. You know, it's yeah. like, remember, we were talking about the revolving door and Mentone, you know, it's like, yeah, I was always out. You were always out. We were always out. And then it wasn't until I met Rochelle that yeah. I was like, wait a second, like this girl <laughs> doesn't give a shit about that. Yeah. She's just calm and grounded. She's just calm and grounded and she's like genuine and like loving. And I was like, wait a second, you don't need people's validation to prove to yourself that you're actually a good person. (laughs) Wait, like you don't need people's validation to make sure that you like yourself, like you could just like yourself and then everything else will follow. What the fuck is that? You know? And I want to spend an entire chapter on on Rochelle and (laughs) and our best friends. Yeah. But I want to kind of double down on this point because I think there's a lot to unpack here as well. And I think it's interesting because... Because we felt isolated and we felt unlistened to and we felt unheard and we felt voiceless. I think when we did when we did kind of gain this skill to making friends and I do think it is a skill and I do think anybody can do it. Once we were able to do that, we wanted to make sure that nobody around us felt isolated, felt stupid, felt unheard, felt voiceless. And our way of doing that was maybe in an unhealthy way. But in every interaction that I go to and every friendship that I forge now, I make it a point. I'm like, I want them to feel heard. I want them to feel seen. I don't want them to feel talked over. I don't want to seem like I'm bragging over them. I don't want to make things that are in my life more important than theirs. You know, all these things that I had felt people had done to me, like maybe on purpose, maybe not on purpose. You know, we're all in high school. We didn't have the skills we needed, but 
I think because it was such an extreme um, negative experience, I wanted to turn it into an extreme positive experience for people that were interacting with me. Okay, you're way more mature than I was because I went no. through a period where I became like the evil Katie Heron. Like, oh, you know, like I was, I, I really, like basically, like I, I felt the power. I mean, maybe it's because Ooh. of your past experience of being the pastor's daughter. So you already wielded Ooh, the power at a young age. Yes, but it's yes. like once people started giving me attention, I was like, yeah. now, now I know what that's like. And now, like, <laughs> these other people don't deserve, like, my attention. And, you know, oh, they need shit. to work up whatever to, like, deserve me. I mean, obviously, I'm way past that. But I, I, will, yes. I will admit that once I started gaining more visibility <laughs> that I yeah. totally went through an evil Katie Heron Time did that period. come to a head? Like, when did that kind of, you know, crash land on itself? That was in college. Yeah. You know, it was just like I felt powerful because I was on the leadership of MCIA. I felt powerful right. because, like, I knew everybody in all these different organizations. They all yeah. knew who I was, you know? Like, yeah. I wasn't, I didn't like myself very much, you uh, know? There's there's the rub. I, I there's didn't the like fucking myself, rub, right? Exactly. And it's like, when you Shit. say this to, to, like, if I were to tell college Roxy this, she'll be like, what the fuck does that mean? I don't even understand what that means. Like, to right. like yourself yeah. so that you don't treat people in that way. Um, yeah. It's just like the natural social dynamics of, like, a human civilization is to be liked or not be liked or, like, you know? Was there somewhere in you that no matter how many friends you amassed, no matter you hitting the max on Facebook, because I'm pretty sure you did, like, did. week one of school. <laughs> Um, I still haven't, but if you want to be my friend, no, I'm kidding. Um, you know, was there a part of you that felt like they would discover the lie, discover who it was underneath it all? You know, what's really wild about this is the more I'm, I'm, I, I, I don't give anybody too much of myself. And so I'm only projecting what I think they would like Mm. and then leaving it there. Yeah. And then yeah. and then no letting no one see my true self. Yeah. Until I until I met Rochelle Flauta. So like I, I, I honestly don't like people say you could do your self growth yourself. You could do your meditation yourself. Yes. But me, it helps when I have other people come in and give me a shakedown. You know what I'm saying? Right. And a grounding force yes. because I think so my negatives of, of becoming a social whore and like, you know, being there for everybody. And I drove a minivan. So I drove people. I loved your minivan. That was my way. Yeah. I know. But that's how <laughs> this like, I probably, Honda Odyssey, but you know, I overextended myself. And at the same time, I did not have the emotional tools to be there for my friends. Like if they were actually going through a hard time, like I might buy them a bunch of boba, but I didn't know how to sit there. And even like what we're doing right now would have been astronomically out of my league at the time, out of out of my range of thought. Like Mm -hmm. you were saying, you wouldn't have understood how to love yourself. I wouldn't have understood how to be a proper good friend um, because I thought that acts of service were, were, it was kind of like, that's all I knew how to do because my understanding of friendship was so external and I didn't have a lot of 
good modeling for what it looked like. And so I think throughout that time, even though I might have gotten close to people quickly and people suddenly started liking me all of a sudden, which was really intense and overwhelming and you don't really know how to take that. Um, But at the same time, when they actually needed something from me, I didn't know how to give it to them emotionally. And it was just, it wasn't, I would even sit there during these conversations and inside I'm like, I want to be there for them. I want to be there for them. But I didn't understand how how to turn that into action dialogue or you know or um words of support etc when did that when did that shift happen like when did that when did you start shifting like first acknowledging it I think for me my friend like your Rochelle Flauta is probably my friend Alyssa because Mm, I love um, Alyssa (laughs) yeah Yeah. she's basically like a human tinkerbell like she is just like floats right off the ground just like Rochelle yeah we have have a type obviously (laughs) but you know but she um had so much kindness and patience and joy. She was just all joy. Um, and, and really gave me a chance to kind of make mistakes without ever holding it against me or, um, guilting me or anything like that. And to this day, I mean, we, we have like this, probably one of the, she's like probably one of the strongest friendships in my life because, we were able to just blunder together and we forgive each other at every turn. And it wasn't, um, there was kind of no possessiveness involved. Um, and I think through her and going through life together, it really taught me how to be a better friend. That's the soul shaking aspect of it. When you realize there's actually somebody in your life, that's not your family that would love you unconditionally. Yeah. Let's take a little break. And when we get back, we are going to we're going to hear the saga of Rochelle Flauta and Sonia Bao. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be right back. I've always been a thick girl. Mm -hmm. right? I think I think this is in my genetic makeup because I've never been skinny. I had to constantly apologize for taking up space. Hi, goatees. Thanks for tuning in. Last season, we did an episode about fat phobia and binge eating. If you haven't heard it yet, this is a great one to play during your commute this week. And if I'm being completely honest with you all, I had friends, I've seen memes, I've seen it in TV shows where people are like, yeah, I turned to food for comfort. I never understood it until I got Ashland and I started to turn to food for comfort. It was the only pleasure center in my brain that I knew how to fire up. In all our years of friendship, these were things we never talked about because we either didn't know how to start the conversation or we just didn't feel comfortable sharing yet. And then my mom used to do this thing. Everything that I ate, she would observe, she would monitor. Mm. And I remembered um, sometimes she'll let me chew the food but spit it out. So at least I could taste it. Now that I really think back on it, it was a terrible time. We hope you take a listen. Head to twohornygoats.com slash episodes slash fatphobia to listen now. Or find the episode on Spotify and iTunes. Okay, now back to the show. And guys, we're back. I was so angry at Prisca because I was like, wait a second, is it already time for the break? I was like, I still have so much I wanted to talk about. I want to like stand my friends even more. So much to unpack. Yes. Okay, let's stand some friends. Let's like leading up to Rochelle Flauta, who are some friends that really, really changed things for you? There's so many shining people who have affected me throughout my college years, throughout the programs yeah. that I was a part of. But Rochelle and I, you know, I we talked about it in the past before. We it wasn't 
I mean, it wasn't love at first sight. It was definitely something that built. It was something that built. Because what you guys have now, I would totally have guessed that you've been like had boners for each other for days. No, 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 no. It was, I don't, (laughs) well, I don't really believe in love at first sight. You know what I mean? I feel like generally I'm like, I could love anybody, but like, you know, she was just, it was just a rooming situation. And even with the roommate situation, she and I were not the closest, you know, but it's not that. This is, this is reminding me because for me, it was love at first sight when I saw you, but for you, you were like, who the fuck is this weird girl? I get, get, the fuck I get out. a little weird when I'm just like, if someone loves me immediately, there's clearly a problem with them. Um, and I'm like, there's no such thing. But, uh, yeah. you know, like, I think there's okay, like sorry, a different you- love story. No, but it's it's like, you know, yeah. Rochelle, it's, it's like what you were talking about, you know, with Alyssa. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's no jealousy. There's no need to attach. Not the toxic friendships. Ooh, where jealousy. It's like, jealousy yes. is like a big thing. It's like, I'm not your boyfriend, you know? And yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rochelle, you know, she continues to be the first my first step in a new cycle of my life where the term best friends continues to expand for like a group of people for me. So like when, so jaw always talks about my tribe and he's like, how is your tribe? So when he's, when he's asking about my tribe, he's asking about a certain group of people. So he's asking about you. He's asking about Sheldon. He's asking about Rochelle. He's asking about Leah, you know, and then he's, he's asking about Brie and Leanne, you know, he's asking about this tribe of people that I hold the closest to my heart because I know that you were talking about like how your sisters, it was like, it wasn't friendship until later. And like with my family, my parents, were not friends with me until later. And now my friends are now my family. So in a way, like my tribe is my community, is my family and my friendships. And I know not everybody needs to have friends. I know some people thrive in solitude and I also thrive in solitude. But like this tribe, this village that I'm building are all my best friends. It's my parents. It's you. It's these core group of people that have my heart no matter what. Ugh. Yeah, that's fucking beautiful. And that is also the topic of this second half of this episode, Mm -hmm. how to make and maintain adult friendships. And and I think that when you're a kid, as close as you are to your friends, your friends go home at the end of the day, typically, unless, you know, you don't have a good home situation. And, you know, that's totally relatable. You you, sometimes found families are needed in adolescence. Mm -hmm. But for the majority of people, your friends don't really belong to you. They belong to their parents until you get to college. And all of a sudden you have this very intense process of belonging to your friends. Yes. You know, expand, please, sister. (laughs) You live with each other. You're available to each other at all times of day. Um, You you really don't have any boundaries from each other. I think when you're first first forming these like young adult friendships. Because you're like, who do I belong to now? I don't belong under my family's roof. And I don't know yes. who I am quite yet. So I attach myself and my identity to those that I want to be attached to. Exactly that. And it's also in in a, like in conjunction with that, it's the first time you're really choosing friends not based on proximity, not based on I have a ballet class with her or I sit next to them in geography. Like in college, like you're really 
bumping like it's almost all these like molecules just bumping around each other until you find like you know okay I don't know anything about chemistry but like a positive and negative charge and you you're attracted to each other you know Um, yeah okay ions you know I'm just but it's like you're just you're you're it's such an intense like shaking up together of substances and all of a sudden like that's how you find like like you're saying like your your tribe and and I think like it takes a lot of work to really become a tribe. And that's also something we want to talk about. But I I think like college, it's so intense because you're just for the first time finding people that are so like-minded to you that, Mm -hmm. that maybe didn't exist in your high school years. And so with Rochelle, like when did you kind of recognize that with her, that there was kind of like this like-mindedness or this kinship? You know, I don't think it's the like-mindedness. I think it was the Mm -hmm. fact that she opened me up to a different way of living and loving. Mm -hmm. And I thought that, you know, you and I are actually quite similar in a lot of ways, Prisca, because, us? you know, us. Wait, like, let's our, make a spreadsheet about uh, how we're similar. Or like our social slutting, you know what I mean? And yeah, like our people totally. pleasing. And like Rochelle was just never like that. She's like, oh, cool. Yeah, but I don't really care, you know? And yeah. and um, she's like, oh, that's good. Like, good. Go make those friends. And like my previous friends, would, there would be jealousy. There would be like attachment, right? right? And I go. Drama. Yeah. And I'm like, Drama. well, what if I lose you? You know, like when we first moved away from each other or not lived together after six years of being domestic partners. I was like, I'm going to lose you because this is your pattern with all your previous friends. And she goes, it's not going to be like that with us. She's like, it's not going to be like that with us. And I was... She had to affirm that. Yeah. But like, you know, my mind always goes to sort of like the worst possible scenario. I I tend to catastrophize things and I say, you know, but that is your pattern. We have that in common. Capricorns. Oh my goodness. We got to be prepared for like plan E, plan Z. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then like, no, but like Rochelle's always kept her word. She's always fucking showed up, you know, like, you know, like we were, we were, you know, when we were younger, we were kind of flaky and and like we would drop things all the time, but she's not that person anymore. And I have to stop seeing her as that person in college. She is not that person anymore. More. So in a way, it does become familial because you yeah. can't infantilize your friends either. And I think that you bring up a really good point. I yeah. think when you're friends with someone, I, th- I see someone like Rochelle kind of like a firefly. And if you try and 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 hold a firefly too tight, you'll kill it. Yeah. And if you try to contain it, you're not letting it li- live its best life. But if you trust, and I don't know that fireflies actually do that, but just for the metaphor's sake, if you trust that at nightfall, the, your firefly will come back to you. Then you and the firefly they really will don't come beautiful back. lives. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm just saying, poetically, poetically, you know? But like, it's about trust. Yes. It's about not letting the thing that you love, like if you trap that, it would be diminishing the beauty of it. It's like when when they told you that if you truly love something, let it go. I think like yeah. Christina Aguilera saying that at one point when right. we were like what twelve <laughs> years old, the first to coin it exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, what right. does that even fucking mean? Like to love is to yeah. cling on to to show to prove your loyalty to someone, right? Right? Yeah. But actually, it's like I think being friends with Rochelle, I think, and I think it's affected you both, right? But I think what I see in your friendship with Rochelle is it helped you just kind of, like you said, like, let go of that. Uh, it's different because I think for a lot of friendships that we had in college, we needed to provide some sort of value or service. Yes. It's like either I can give you social clout or I, I know this person or that, or I'm on this team or that. Like it's, it, transactional, it's like, I have right? a minivan. Exactly. Yeah. I have a minivan. I, 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 I wear cool clothes. So I'm worth being your friend, like whatever it is, it is transactional, but being friends with someone like Rochelle, it's suddenly like, I can't provide you anything. You don't need anything from me. 
And that can be some of the scariest moments because then it's just a trust fall. That's all it is with each other. You know, like there's nothing because she's so like unmoved by peer pressure and she doesn't care about like a lot of like material things. Um, it's not as if you could buy a Tesla and suddenly she would be like, oh, my God. Hey, Roxy. Like, you know what I'm saying? Or you can buy a cool camera and all of a sudden she'd be like, hey, Roxy, that's not the that's not the position you guys are in. So ultimately, friendships like that become about trust and you're constantly trust falling. And the, the scariest thing about that. And I think this is probably something Brene Brown has devoted her life to talking about is it puts you in a state of vulnerability. Mm. At UCI, let's be real. There's like everyone's a certain type. Like mm. we're all collectively. I was the cool type. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, 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 like, like, general, right like collectively <laughs> speaking, collectively speaking, right. the students were a vibe. And yep. everybody was into the same things. We were all into, like, everybody wanted to fit in. Everybody wanted to expand and grow. Everybody wanted to explore. But yeah, everyone wore, wore those Kanye glasses with the stripes. That I had ridiculous. those. <laughs> I had, like, three, yeah. in different, in three different colors. Um, but, like, <laughs> Rochelle was, was not into that at all. She was, like, the most odd friend that I've had. And, like, I never thought mm. that we would become the bestest of friends because of that reason, you know? Right. Um, yeah. But what about you? Like, what about Sonia? Tell me about Sonia. Oh, let's talk about yeah! Sonia. Um, okay. I think I've talked to her about her briefly on this show, but n not necessarily like how, you know, our friendship is doing today. Mm -hmm. But she and I met because her grandmother was um, our nanny for from time to time, our babysitter. And um, we were three years old, three, four years old when we met. And when we were 12 years old, we like really reconnected. And I just remember seeing her one day and I was like, Sonia Bao. And she was like, Priscilla Liang. And Abe, my husband says, and the rest was history. We literally like sat down and talked for hours and hours. And even though we lived in different cities, um, every time we see each other, it's as if no time has passed. Mm. And um, I even forget, like she always tells me like, yeah, like you, like the second I could drive, I was like visiting her as often as I could just because I enjoy spending time with her. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we both went to college, like I would drive like the 50 miles between our colleges just to like, just to hang out and be with, be around her. Because like, like you're saying with Rochelle, like there was no jealousy. There was no possessiveness. If any, it was from my end, you know, because I'm crazy. <laughs> but she was just always like the most steadfast person. And to this day, I know that, you know, I, I'm very fortunate because I have Sonia and I have my sister Rose and both of them are people. If I call them with anything, they won't just be there for me, but they will sit there with me and help me think through the problem. Right. And that is like, for me, one of the most valuable things, because when I'm, when I'm spinning out a lot of times, what, like, I, I love my friends who are there for me and they, they say nice things and they calm me down. But when they, they are willing to walk into it and go through the problem with me and you know if i'm trying to solve a maze they are in there and they're like all right why don't we try turning right together it's like there's you know? no transaction it's not because you're doing you're driving yeah. them around in a minivan for whatever reason it's no. just because they yeah. sincerely care about going through the darkness with you yeah and so you know sonia she's six foot one again the height thing oh yeah when you two stand <laughs> together it is like lovingly the most really dysfunctional funny. couple ever yes <laughs> it makes it makes little to no 
no sense, but she's six foot one. I'm five foot, you know, something or other, <laughs> maybe five foot and half an inch. Um, and, you know, we we actually have very opposite personalities because her, her voice is like kind of high and, you know, she's, you know, kind of just very like sweet, very you know, sweet. Yeah, very sweet. And um, I just always I just never feel stupid around her. I never feel like I need to impress her. Mm -hmm. I never feel like I need to put on any like masks or, you know, anything. And I think, you know, it has to do with us having this very long history where like there's nobody that knows me the way she does as like a friend, you know, like Rose knows me as like a sister. But like Sonia, I used to leave her like manic 10 minute voicemails. And it was really just the start of the podcast. But my mom thought I was literally <laughs> insane. But Sonia would listen to them and either like respond via letter or or send me a voicemail that was like one minute. But like she always she always like she always like if you're on a seesaw, like she never let it go. You know what I mean? Like she always kept it going. Dude. She never made me feel dumb. Just like hearing you talk about Sonia and hearing myself talk about Rochelle, there's such a safety yeah. in and tenderness in the way that we talk about these really specific, beautiful people in our lives, which guides me yeah. to the next question because okay. in a way, because we have it so good, <laughs> you know, I know that we are <laughs> very too. lucky. We're very lucky to have these amazing friends. I, I guess... In one aspect, we could be good at making more friends. But on yeah. the other hand, it almost I'm almost scared to make more friends in my adult years because either A, they have to sort of live up to that expectation if they want to get Ooh. close with if they want to get close to me. And I do get yeah. really freaked out by love bombing because Ooh, yeah. I think there are many people who approach me and I present a certain way as you do as well, you know, in lots of social situations and they get your number and they want to hang out with you like literally all the time. Like, yeah, like this week, next week, it doesn't matter how old they are. They could be in their, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm not even talking about our twenties anymore. I'm talking about like now, like even thirties, forties, fifties. Yeah. And people long for connection and reconnection. And like, I get so scared of that. What, what goes through your mind? Like kind of. <sighs> If someone's kind of love bombing you or, or kind of corner, cornering you into hanging out, what goes through your mind in those moments? I think because of my dating history, it's like um, I see patterns, very similar patterns to romantic and mm. platonic relationships. So I just don't think when people want your attention or want you all the time, it's clear that they have put you on a pedestal and they mm. are, you know, coloring you in a specific way in the way that their mind visualizes you and your identity and who you are. That may not necessarily right. be true. So if they push you that hard, you may feel pressure to fulfill that expectation. Right, right, to, right. To, to be exactly what, is, what it is that they want, you know, like, I think we'll have a yes. really great time. Like, you know, like, it'll be so much fun. It'll be so much fun if we did this. Like, we'll go do that. Yeah. And I'm like, oh God, like, I'm human, yeah. you know, like, yeah. I'm like, my best friend and my best friends, like, you've seen me through all my fucking ugly ass shit, you know? You've yeah. seen me cry yeah. horrendously. You've seen me, you know, yeah. at the bottom, you know, Same. like, like on Vice the ground, yeah. you know, like just broken. Like, and, and I'm like, you're probably gonna run away because I don't fulfill that expectation that you're visualizing in your right. head or projecting onto me. So, so I, I approach every new connection with, uh, with, with like a grain of salt. And I don't know if, yeah. if you're like that as well. I mean, how do oh you feel? Oh my gosh, yes. 
I I feel a great deal of anxiety. Like I feel, you know, ultimately if I step back, I feel very fortunate because I have been able to make some new adult friends. Yeah. And I feel really lucky about that. Like and and as adults, oftentimes it does kind of come down to proximity. Um and you know, when you're at the workplace, I've made some amazing friends in workplaces. Um over the pandemic, like I've made some really surprisingly amazing connections through a workout group that I was doing every yeah. day. And I was terrified because of all the things you you're you're saying it it resonates with me so much because i'm afraid to let someone down like i you know like i'm a performer by by trade and i'm a people pleaser a recovering people pleaser i hope you know and i i'm a pastor's kid so i i'm a very service oriented person and with the wrong combination and and the wrong reaction from people I can turn into a very toxic version of myself where I'm just trying to upkeep either this image or I'm over serving people because I feel inadequate or, you know, I just feel I I can spin out like that very, very quickly. So I I resonate with that so much because I I do sometimes worry that when people get to see the real me, they will be utterly disappointed um, Mm -hmm. at how little color they actually experience once the makeup comes off, you know? I don't want to perform in front of people anymore. And I know that like you and I were talking about in college, I would put on a whole persona for friends and I would put on the persona that I thought best matched them. And what it turned out to be was people, when they got to know me more, they would be like, I feel like I don't actually know who you are. And that was so painful because I was like, I'm doing this work for you. Um, But all the while, all I think people really want is for you to be genuine you know, and, and for you to be real and for you to be honest. And I think once I started to do that, I was able to make much stronger, much deeper friendships and appreciate them more when they came. But it still scares me to fucking death. I I think a couple of weeks ago, I had like dinner with a couple girls that I think are awesome. And I was like, all right, just don't like, I was like, I was literally doing what I do before like a big show or something. I was like, I was moderating my own adrenaline levels. I was like, you don't get to be at a 10 right now. You got to keep it steady because you just got to be yourself. It was like, I literally had to give myself a talking to because that's how scary it is. Well, that's also because you're more self-aware of like your old patterns, you know, and you don't want to become like that, you know, I think. Yeah. Oh, that's a kinder way to look at it. It is, it is. Because you're just like, I I just don't want to, I just, I just, if I, if I ended up doing that, like, I I mean, nowadays I'm much more self you know like yeah like yeah i would no i would definitely. go to an event i'll be like yeah yeah nice oh hi oh hi it's like oh yeah i don't like that you know like i don't i attended yeah. like a film festival opening yesterday and you know everyone was asking me oh did you like it and i was like ah oh, it's a little long probably not for me you know like so the past, i'll be like yeah so like a fucking smile through it and like literally yeah. like ask myself what is the best way to come across most genuinely that i did like it right yeah, because yeah. I'm a part of this community and I want to be part of whatever. But like, I I just don't. It's like what you said. I don't want to fucking perform anymore. And the yeah. ones who will stay around and like respect my distance and like still keep consistent, those are the ones yeah. that I want in my life. Because like I don't. No one really knows anyone in a short period of time. Like you really got to go so through true. the maze. You you do. And like you know. And I think you know. As we're talking about. As you're saying that. I realize, you know, my husband, Abe, is so valuable because he also does not put on any masks. Yeah. He just won't. Yeah. He refuses. Yeah. And it can be really disarming. And it's kind of sometimes funny to watch people at events, like, get really uncomfortable because he's, like, actually wants to get deep and talk about what, you know, what's going on. And people are like, 
like you know just like uncomfortable they're so uncomfortable like oh oh, Abe you're crazy you know but he's like genuinely doesn't put any masks on and in fact like when I'm putting a mask on he looks at me and I'm immediately like ah fuck like he sees it you know what I mean and so it's good to have these people in our lives because Rochelle would never accept like a fake you she would never settle for something that's not genuine you know um but i do want to talk about this it's like because you you're a director you work on sets you you work long hours with people like your coworkers aren't just your coworkers; they're like your roommates essentially for the time being of the project mm-hmm. what has that been like creating adult friendships like due to proximity oh my god uh so you know it's like camp you get close to people very quickly <laughs> Yes. And then you don't and then suddenly it's gone. And 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 that creates a lot of false expectations and Ooh. false bonds within a short period of time. Ooh. And for me, it's like, you know, a lot of my act, I love my actors, you know, like I, I love yeah. my actors so much. And when I'm there, I'm 100 percent for them. And and I think when we when it's over, it's like transitioning to friendship is very difficult sometimes because Mm. I'm no longer the director and you're no longer the actor. And if we were to continue this, like who knows when we'll work together again, like maybe a couple years, maybe even longer than that. And it's like, it's about like sort of stabilizing the roles. And you know, like when you're singing on stage, when you're working with a band, when you're singing to an audience, that is how I am when I'm on set. Like I'm Mm. really charismatic. I like, you know, get everybody happy and going and I'm like, all right, you know, cracking jokes, you know, like to get through the show. Mm hmm. But to have a genuine relationship with me, like for I'm a very private person. Like I know that, yeah. that that's like weird because I'm I'm really active on social media and I have a podcast with my best friend and I, you know, <laughs> air out all my dirty yeah. laundry. But generally, you know, it's like my piece You keep things close to the Yeah, chest. my piece is the most yeah. important thing to me and I don't need to tell everybody everything that's happening you know only Mm. those who I really trust with my information but it gets kind of dangerous like if I go teach at a workshop with actors and there's like 30 of them it feels very personal because I'm like I'm getting them to hit an emotional climax I'm guiding Mm. them there you know like it's it's very intense and then they want to keep in touch afterwards and then I even told them Mm. I was like don't put me on your newsletter chain, you know, like be intentional, mm-hmm. like, right. If, if you had fun, if fate puts us back together again, that's really great. Yeah. But I just really want to manage your expectations, mm, you know, um, because I work with so many actors all the time and it's like nothing personal. It's nothing personal right. if I don't have you on every show all the time, you know, that's, that's a challenging. And so from your 30, 20s to your thirties, do you feel like you, you become, a little more guarded or or jaded in terms of forming relationships. A hundred percent. Interesting. It just okay. feels like a really quick summer camp, and it's like continuously. Mm. It's like I fall in love with it very quickly, and then the moments it's done, it's like then you recover from that, and it's like it's on to the next one. Uh, it's like summer loving. Exactly, and it's like a lot of <laughs> yeah. people, Prisca. You know, it's like not just the the actors; it's like the cast. Uh, I mean, the crew. Oh, you yeah, know, it's crew. like the crew yeah. and like all these f- bonds that I form. And then we go to a rap party, or we go drink after work, or like we go, we get really close really quickly. You know, but like, yeah, I always know because I've been through this so many times that it's going to end. And like, I think that's why Sheldon's wow. always like, like we got to work on something every single year. You know, because it's like. In a way, sometimes I feel that if we don't have that, like we don't have our friendship, yeah. 
you know. So who's a breakthrough? Who other than Sheldon? Because we met him like pre, you know, Roxy, the director. But like, who's a breakthrough person that kind of came through? And I think you mentioned her name. Oh yeah, Brianna Goldberg. Brianna, 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 (laughs) Brianna. How did that come about? Yeah. The thing about Brie is that like Brie is a Gemini. So she's she's mm-hmm. very social. She will always reach out. She has no qualms about waiting around. Like she's not going to wait around for you to contact. Like she will text you every single day if she's like, <laughs> like this person said this, Ugh, you know, or like here's a stupid <laughs> photo. Oh, you know, so she's good at she's keeping really in touch. She's really good at keeping in touch. She's, she's really responsive over text. And I'm not like I could take fucking a day to get back to you, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. And as a recovering people pleaser, I used to respond within seconds, you know, and then like right, back in right. college like Prisca was always on her Blackberry and you know, but like Brie, <laughs> there Brie, was a time Brie yes. never thinks twice about like oh I'm gonna get ghosted by the next text like she's not insecure right. about that and so over time slowly it's like not only does she show up for me in my job but like she shows up for me as a friend and like mm. and then when you are moved by people who do that who love you so much like they wear you down they wear, they you, wear down. you down it's impossible to not <laughs> feel touched or moved by it like I if it's not creepy like you know i i do feel that someone if someone shows up and like really shows you that they care unless you're a complete sociopath like yeah. how can you not feel moved by that you know i definitely went through this like they you know I, i'm afraid to reach out to people at times i'm really afraid to reach why, out to people. Why, i don't want to bother them oh okay i, I don't want to be a nuisance i don't want to be annoying actually the word annoying is something that I struggle with a lot. Why would you think that you'll be annoying? Because th- that's the name I was called the most often um, when I was being bullied. It was like the word annoying was used so often. And I think I probably was annoying, but I shouldn't say that to myself. But, you know, I I, I was overly expressive at times. Um, I think I had kind of a funny way of speaking because, you know, growing up in like a Chinese church and... I don't know, reading more than I talked, I guess, like to a certain degree when I was a kid. So the word annoying was like thrown around so often. And so it is still my greatest fear. Like, I'm always afraid that I'm being a nuisance, that I'm being annoying. And what I know, but I still need to work on in action is that like 99% of people would be more than happy to hear from me, you know, more than happy to get a text from me and more than happy, you know, and I'm, I know for myself, I am always happy to hear from people. Even if it's people like, you know, I don't necessarily feel like we need to be the closest of friends. Like I really appreciate hearing from people. So that's like the final hurdle that I'm still trying to overcome is I always feel that I'm being a nuisance. And so people like Brie actually are inspiring to me because they have no fear. And I, I have a friend named Vu too who he's he's a sweet he's just like a sweet dude and he is the one who's always been consistently texting me over the past 12 years you know and I and I sometimes text back and I sometimes don't but he always reaches out to me and I'm always happy to hear from him and so that's inspiring to me because it helps me slowly 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 gain the courage to hit that send button to the people that I want to reach out to what do you think it'll take to prove to you that you don't annoy people uh, I think this it would probably be a lifelong struggle, but I, I, you know, I think to be totally honest, even running this podcast has helped me a lot. And I, and I don't know how that comes off or whatever, but I think running this podcast has helped me a lot because it's like, it's, you know, it's like kind of like broadcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm saying, we're saying these things and we're kind of 
floating them into the ether. Um, but people that have been reaching out and, you know, friends of mine um, that have been reaching out and they've listened to the entire episode um, and giving like really great, thoughtful responses um, to the things that, you know, we're talking about has really helped me because it's like, okay, well, these are people that are voluntarily listening by choice. Uh, no one's strapping them down. Um, no one's forcing them to get coffee with me or, or whatever it is. Um, they're, they're listening to this by choice and they're, they're responding in such thoughtful, beautiful ways. Um, it, that has helped me so much. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because it's almost like who would care about us. And that's such yeah, a, yeah. that's such a damaging narrative. You know, obviously, it's what we heard growing up. Do not annoy other people. Don't be a burden. Right. No, never always repay your debts. You know, like everything yes. has to be transactional. Everything has your ledger has to be like at zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it feels like our existence like needed to be like we just we are, we're responsible for our own existence but this like excluded genuine relationships because this actually repels that because you're not allowing people to help you you're not allowing people to hear you yeah. you know and, no, and it's, it's so it, damaging oh, it's so true it's, it's so, so true and, and it's like as asian women yeah we were taught to just be like to not mafia and to not take up space to just yeah. be passive and like whatever the fuck you know and I, I think this is a, a lifelong process, as you said, because there's going to be no evidence and no validation. That's enough. Like, no matter what people say, you're not going to genuinely yeah. feel it. Right. And I think that is the importance. Obviously, I need to work on this personally, but this is the importance of our tribes. Yes. Yes. Because, you know, that becomes like the unit of measurement that you absolutely can rely on. You know, it is the fundamental piece at the bottom of all things. And no matter how much it's it goes both ways, no matter how much bullshit you chew out or turn out, they'll never believe it. And no matter how much you push them away, they'll never let you, yeah. you know, and and that's the beauty of having and forming a tribe. And like, I, I just want to talk to you about your tribe really quick, because you have you have some of the the most fucking ride or die people myself included yes you have the most fucking ride or die people in your life yes. and how does that free you up you know i jaw obviously this year has met a lot of my friends because covid has lifted its restrictions this year and something that he told me after meeting my tribe was that he said your girlfriends he was like resonate <laughs> like this incredible power and energy and he's like they're Ooh. all he's like they're all powerful they're all amazing like queens you know he's like there's yes. something about them that's just like so badassery that like that <laughs> only people at a certain level can touch them and i'm like mm -hmm. because i love that very dearly about them their energy is something that i love and want to be around the most it's the most nourishing to me mm -hmm. and i think that it's like unlearning that love is conditional you know that love mm -hmm. is actually unconditional like all throughout like as a nucleus right romantic yeah. platonic like i think chanel and david i know I, chanel just love I, I just we just love chanel and david chanel and but david like Yum. you know it, when Yum. they were doing their vows to each other you know mm -hmm. they said that our love is not transactional and i will allow you to be as free as you need to be 
And I thought that that was so breathtaking because we're coming into a new era where we are learning that love is not about control or possessiveness. It's about freedom and it's about trust and it's about Mm. like me being supportive of you to be your best self and being along with you to find your way out of the maze. Right. Mm. And like. And and that I don't need you to be anything for me that I could just enjoy you as you are. Yeah. And and I think it's healed me like your friendship has healed me. You know, like mm. I, I feel empty without my tribe after a while, you know. Yeah. And so yeah. it's it's a part of my life where I'm like, I, I want to nourish it like as much as possible. And like to all of our goatees listening, like, please share with us because. I am very lucky that I was able to create this tribe for myself, but I know there's a lot mm-hmm. of people out there, especially millennials and Gen Zers, because of the climate and the landscape that we're currently living in, that live in such a deep state of isolation, whether it's physical, emotional, mm. or spiritual. Um, mm. And I just want to know what it's like for you. So be sure to write us. Yeah, write, write in to us. Yeah. And if you have stories about your best friends, we'd love to hear that. Yes. We want to brag about your best friend. Yes. I'm going to brag about Sonia Bao. She is the smartest, uh, most capable, kindest, most fierce fucking motherfucking badass bitch out there so and, that's right and, so, and you yeah. Prisca, you're the love <laughs> you of my it. life so <laughs> you are the you're love, the of, love my. of my life so. <laughs> i think like you know um i think to kind of finish up this portion of it for for me you know we were talking about how my sisters didn't really become my friends until we were older you know rose and i went through this big transition i think all told rose is like the closest person i have in my life right. because we're connected, you know, as best friends and sisters. So um, we went through this transition that was also really tricky and messy, really messy, because I was a total bitch through some of it. But we went from being having an older sister, younger sister dynamic to being equals and being best friends. Um, And it took a lot for me to relinquish some of the maybe power, control, the say, but then also the, the, the caregiving side of it because mm-hmm. I always I was always her I would do everything for her yeah and there was nothing I wouldn't do for her right oh, it's so cool ta. like you know so it's like transitioning out of that we had a lot of screaming matches um but she was always like so I'm so lucky because she was always so deferential even throughout the messiness and and she would let me take whatever I needed, like whatever position I needed in that moment. But we had this like moment, just like the past two years where we were like, oh my gosh, like we're really like equals. And there are moments now where I need to rely on her. And I never thought that our dynamic would be like that it takes a lot of work for you to do that though Prisca you know it's like because the internalized like older sister narrative yeah that's hard it's hard to be broken yeah yeah it's hard to be broken in front of her and then it's also hard for a younger sister to take up the mantle of being a caregiver too and she has done that numerous times and I I I'm always so grateful how our relationships and our dynamics can change and grow and and they only seem solid because we've said that they're solid but if you just leave them out in the sun for a bit you'll see that anything can melt and anything can change and anything can be recombined so you know we 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 hope 
all of you take a little bit of what you were saying and we're going to we're going to kind of close off this conversation for now because I think there's still a lot we want to talk about about friendship in the future. There right, is Rox? really like no like <laughs> I couldn't think of a more beautiful way to close off this conversation by how poetically yeah. you just you know just <laughs> nip the like what friendship is and like all of us being different puzzle pieces you know. Yeah so rocks like what are some of the things that you do like practical things that you do to help maintain your adult friendship oh my gosh so it's different with everyone right so it's like learning each other's love language like i'm, I'm super Ooh, serious yes. you guys like i don't think like after if you've been with a partner for a very long time like you become mm. like they're your best friends you know what i mean yeah. so it's like 100 whether you live together or not it's like maintaining like healthy boundaries with them so like Rochelle and I try to see each other once a week I know that's a lot for many people but like for our friendship it's either at least once every once or two weeks because we start to feel really weird if we don't see each other Um, (laughs) and ungrounded yeah yeah and like strange and like with my partner it's also once a week you know for me it's like I know my shadow self I know who I become (laughs) when I start taking advantage of people's presence and Uh, for me it's like it is the healthiest way and if it needs to change it needs to change you know and um I think like being understanding and compassionate towards what they're going through not giving unsolicited advice because as Capricorns and as (laughs) you and me being the Uh oldest sister and like the only child I always feel that whenever someone's sharing something with me I always feel compelled to give unsolicited advice when people it's because we can get it out on the pod (laughs) you know get some of that energy out yeah 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 yeah. I'm like let me tell you what I think about that let Let me me tell you you let me tell you but it's like funny because I was like having a mental breakdown with my parents this past week and then I was like crying and shedding and then my dad was like nodding and like listening and he goes here's my advice Roxy and I was like I just really just want to share this with you like I didn't ask for it here's what I think and I'm like okay dad Um, this is where I get it from I know exactly where I get it from but you know I think those are those are for me I mean it's different for everybody but I know myself so how do you know yourself and what does that do for you Ooh, um, I think, yeah, I think like you're saying, I think consistency is important. I think for me, I'm lucky if I can see some of my friends about once a month is, is well, and I live out in Chino, yeah. but that's just kind of like, I'm so greedy. I would want to see my friends every day, but I also understand like I can't. So I, I generally try to see my friends about once every six weeks. That's like the, at the very outside, yeah. you know, and, and it gives me a good kind of cadence. Um, and I think a safe loving distance like for for me is important because i think everyone needs to live their own lives mm-hmm. i think that's part of becoming adults is that we don't belong to each other in the same way as we used to right. but that doesn't mean that there's any love lost yeah it's just respecting their space and sometimes like i get it I love Roxy so much, but sometimes when I come home, I'm just hanging with my husband and that's just what I'm doing that night. And so if I don't respond to something like that's okay. And she gives me that room and, and vice versa, you know? Um, and, and so it makes me miss I, you I, more I think, and cherish you more. It just, I know. just makes the heart yeah, grow fonder. So, thank you. A huge proponent on no matter how much time we spend apart, I'm going to show up as if no time has passed at all. Mm-hmm. And that means I'm not going to guilt trip you. I'm not going to, you know, berate you for anything. I'm just going to appreciate. And I, I think like you were saying, Roxy, like be very mindful and appreciative in the moments that we're spending time together. Yeah, do not be on your phone yeah. the whole time that you're having yeah. lunch with me. If I see that, we're, it's done. 
It's done. It's done. It's done. done. Setting healthy boundaries and watching for codependency, because I think on the flip side of a lot of what we're saying is if you, you, you find yourself in a very codependent relationship, as much as you love the person, it will be energy draining for both of you. And I think setting healthy boundaries of where you want, say, solicited advice um, versus where you don't want advice. Um, and, and, you know, also like, you know, if you're, if it's important that you sleep at a certain time, like those boundaries need to be respected, you know, things like that. So um, all, all of those things are really important. I, and I think just really practical just really practical and um, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Capricorn energy is the vibe. So thank you. Like, be grounded, yes. be practical, and also don't love bomb. Thank you very much. <laughs> take a minute, take a breath. If you feel like love bombing someone, that energy is from a good place. So take a breath and try to not just see what this action can do to alleviate what you're feeling, but what you can actually do to match what they're feeling. Do something for them. You know, actually do something for them and not for yourself. Because that's sometimes a little tricky to decipher. But if you just take a minute to look at that, it becomes a little more clear. And I I think at the end of the day, Roxy, we just kind of appreciate, we just got to appreciate the time we got with each other. I know we're only here for a short time and a good time. All right, guys. Well, on that note, (laughs) on that note, it's about to transition to some of y'all's favorite parts of the day, which is... Wait, what? 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 It's... ah, It's... Okay, so my first one, my mom and I, I know, I know, my mom and I, we went apple picking together. Actually, we didn't go apple picking because apple picking was closed that day, but we went to an apple picking farm um, and it was really fucking cute. And so it was called Los Rios Rancho. It's out in like Glen Glen Oaks or whatever. Um, Yeah, it's out in Glen Oaks and um, it's this beautiful little like apple farm they also have berries and chestnuts and you can go and it's like a you pick apple situation where you can pick your own apples but they also have um a cute little like um nature reserve that you can hike around which is super cute so my mom and i hiked around the little nature reserve we bought some apple cider and it was delicious um and we just had a fucking cute time and there were like maybe three influencer couples doing (laughs) vlogs there so you know that shit's good but that whole area has cute little spots like a couple of them you can stop for um hard cider tastings um i think there's an apple cider donut spot that's really good Mm. but you know i think for apples they close after thanksgiving or until they run out so get your asses out there you have like two weeks <laughs> two and a half weeks to go with your boo i'm just like wow take some cute i really photos. need to take more more tips from you on like getting out and doing stuff that sounds really fun yes because i think dating is like the most and 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 i mean it for anybody like i feel like my mom and i went on a date and it was so important you know because she and i you know we have certain issues like we we don't always see eye to eye but as we've been dating more like going out on cute little dates i think it helps because it creates this like very joyful memory um that we can refer to when things aren't so great so anyway i I think they're the best so go date your friends um go date your partners but also date your friends um and the, the second thing is so i used to wake up and immediately listen to a bunch of podcasts or turn on like bob's burger on a loop in the background um and and you know this is so simple but in the mornings now i try to just have complete silence so nothing in my Mm. nothing in my headphones nothing in the you know anything just silence and i i 
go about my morning routine and I take a minute and, and it's been really restorative because you know what I sit with my own thoughts and um what, that's really what nice if we start another podcast called morning silence with roxy morning and prisca it's like hi everybody welcome to this this today is morning, morning. silence and here we go and go <laughs> it's just bad asmr like very like, like you're just hearing me really like <laughs> disorienting <sighs> i know this is Yaya's jingling. I know, I know. Just jingling. Or scratching herself in the background. So perfect. So perfect. Okay, well, those are mine. What are yours? Okay. Ooh, oh, shoot. <laughs> Okay, so um, Priscilla came over to do our, our episode last week, and then uh, she mentioned this in her unsolicited picks in the past, but it's called Corner oh, Place. Shit. It's a Korean hey! barbecue joint. Okay, and now it's my unsolicited pick, okay? <laughs> and now that I know that it's, like, like less than a mile from where I live, oh God, and, like, so Rochelle and I are going on Saturday because, like, oh I can't God. wait to have her try to fucking donkey me, okay? And, like, the waitress there was just, like, the best, like, I, she thought oh I was God, Japanese because Rossi. I was just, like, like, every bite, I was like, <gasps> like, oh, I was just like, oh my god, this is amazing! It was so much fun. It was so delicious. I'm like literally so salivating over their fucking beef tongue. Like, so. Oh good. my god! And that pork, the quality of their meat. I swear they have some crazy hookup because the quality of their meat is gorgeous. It's unparalleled, and it's also not all oh, yeah. you can eat. But I have to really say that yeah. it makes it more worth it because if you have Korean yeah. barbecue with like really good ass meat, then you know, and they're yeah. really not that expensive either for how much they give you. No. It's really not bad. And they give you a ton of meat. Oh, they give you a like, ton. Like Prisca was like, yeah. no, let's just get the pork belly. I was like, oh, that's not going to be enough. They're only going to give you like a tiny little plate. And then like once I saw the pork belly come out and then I was like, oh, shit, we're not going to be able to finish I've this. I mistake. know we made a huge <laughs> mistake. And then like, yeah, oh, they're dong to me. But the dong to me oh, was amazing. God. right? Yeah. It's like it's oh like having gosh. that, like having it cut through like the fattiness of the meat. I was just like. Oof. This is a little fucking, acid, little sugar. Oh my god! I was like, you always know what you're talking about, and it's like <laughs> a super hole in the wall. So it's like not a lot of people yeah. go there. So please give them your patronage. Yes, it's a little more old school, and it it seems like they're busier like on weekends. But you know, we went in the evening, and it was totally fine. So yeah, please yeah, go. yeah. Keep okay, I want. I, I can't tell. wait to go back. Okay, so then my second Yay! pick this week is um. So there's a place called the Jane Club. A uh, Jane's. Uh, <gasps> I think I've mentioned them before, but honestly, most of my tarot clientele. Uh, shout out to Lynn Chen, who is basically my tarot card reading manager yes. at this point. But it's like, um, isn't she going to become a surgeon at uh, she, Gray, yes, on Grey's exactly. Anatomy? And she's also joining a us on surgeon. our Zoom date tonight. So she she really loves O-M-G-G. the fact she loves the fact that like your husband's name is Abe and her husband's name is Abe, and so she's just like, OMGZ. <laughs> I know she just can't <laughs> wait. But congrats, Lynn, on like your new role, reoccurring Congratulations. role, yeah, on Grey's so Anatomy, exciting. and like it's a fucking mo- and Sylvia Kwan who plays um Talia and list of a <gasps> lifetime is also Stop. on Grey's as a reoccurring so like oh my God! they both sent me a photo so they both sent me a photo of them their, their storylines finally crossing and like finally oh being in, in <laughs> scenes together Asian I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So like the Jane Club is a collective of women, an online community, but also a physical community of women across the United States, um, basically helping each other do workshops and foster, you know, just a solidarity and community groups. There's like meditation and all of that stuff. And also uh, so startup. Cool. It's so, so cool. Like their brick and mortar is in... Um, Larchmont area okay. and it's like okay. it's sort of like a like a workspace like a we work and then um you pay a certain membership and then you have certain perks 
but the Ooh. Jade Club has just been the most amazing community and like so much I want to thank Shanta and I want to thank Lynn for like just always you know letting the ladies come to me for tarot readings um so I just really want to express my thanks on that speaking of Yay! tarot readings uh-oh here we go here we go here we go are you guys ready I think Roxy's gonna pull a card for the collective don't forget Sun Queen Tarot go and follow on Instagram Ooh. if you would like to book your own sesh Book your own sesh. Book your own sesh. Book your own oh, sesh. Oh, by the way, yeah, and uh, this is going to air, like, after the fact, but I'm going to be raffling <laughs> away a free 30-minute reading at our virtual yes, hang. at the Zoom! At the Zoom, so if we ever do this ever again, like, here's another reason for you to attend. Okay. Yes! So the card that we got for this week is Judgment, and Judgment is... A huge card. I mean, it's it's of huge importance because judgment means that everything that you're asking for, somehow it may manifest, but not in the form that you expect it to mm. be. And also, oh, when wow. it reveals itself, you also have the chance to ask, is this what I truly want? So Ooh. judgment is when the universe presents what you were asking for or manifesting, presents it in a different way. And Ooh. then, or maybe it's in the way that you anticipate, but you're having second thoughts about it. Mm. Or a second chance to go back at something again. But what I'm really feeling from this card today is to approach it with discernment. You may have a lot of confidence with your decision making, like in preparation for this moment to come. Mm -hmm. But when it finally reveals itself, you may find yourself having second thoughts. So... So I just want everybody to be mindful. Don't rush into anything too quickly. It is the end of 2021 or we're approaching the end of 2021. Any major decisions, I'm just hearing this right now. Just be mindful. Could it wait until January or first quarter of 2022? So just uh, think about it because everyone's energy is sort of like everyone's like sort of tapped out. So Mm. just think about this as we approach the end of this year. I love it. Great advice. So that means, uh, you know, just take a little breaky break. We love you guys. Put on some PJs, play some Christmas music or holiday music. Holidays. Um, Holiday. Holiday. Uh, (laughs) Take a little breaky break and any big decisions can come in 2022. Yes. Just take a breaky break. Breaky break. Um, We believe in breaky breaks. And on that note, have a horny week. Our lovely goatees. And remember, stay
Horniegoats.com. Have thoughts or questions for us? Email us at hello at twohornygoats.com. We want to hear from you. Okay. We want to hear from you. Okay. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. 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 <laughs>